If you have your Bibles, if you would open up with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. I want you to pause for a moment and think about the faithfulness of God. I want you to think about His love. I want you to think about His grace. I want you to think about His forgiveness. I want you to think about His healing, His direction, His presence. In fact, here's what I want us to do for a moment. I actually have this written down on my notes. I had no idea that this moment could happen like this. But I just want us to stand to our feet right now. And here's what I want to do. I want to take like a 10-second praise break of like giving the Lord some big shouts of praise, some big shouts of thanks. Come on. Can you do that across the room? Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. God, you are good. God, you are good. You are good. You are good, God. All right, you may be seated. You may be seated. And I really feel like God is here in this place. It's interesting because as I was writing my notes this week for the message, it literally right in here says God is here in this place, all these different things. And it was almost like this declaration of my spirit just saying this is what we're going to do. This is how I'm going to lead in these moments. Because here's the beauty of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is never caught off guard. And so if we're listening to him and we're listening to what he's doing, what will happen is he'll begin to show us things before they even happen. He'll put us in moments and in situations where we'll be aligned with people in certain circumstances that, that we'll look back at and we'll go, man, there's no other way those pieces could have fallen into place other than God. We've in this series right now called Miracles and a miracle, well, by definition, we've been talking about is this. It's, it's wonder-causing events producing astonishment in the beholder. But let me add to that today and say it's moments where the impossible becomes possible. You see, when miracles happen, things that we once thought were impossible are made possible. What God does is God, in moments of impossible circumstances, loves showing up and making things possible. When Peter walked on water, there was no possibility of that happening, but he took an impossible situation and he made it possible. When the blind man received his sight, everyone around him would have said, no, that man has been blind since birth, but God looked at the situation and said, no, you don't understand. I created every part of that body. I know how everything works, and all i got to do is just make a few fine adjustments right now, and that man can receive sight. Listen, God is a God of the impossible becoming possible in your life. And today you may be sitting in here in a situation where you're looking at life and you're saying, there are things that are impossible in my life, but can I just remind you once again that God takes impossible things and makes them possible. But we all want a miracle. Everyone loves the miracle. We all love the idea of nothing being impossible, but can I just remind you that in order for a miracle to happen, you've got to have a problem. And a lot of us don't want that, do we? We don't want the problem. We just want the miracle. But can I remind you that in order for a miracle to happen, you've got to be facing something. In order for a miracle to happen, you've got to have that bad doctor's report that comes through. So stop being so discouraged in the moment when Jesus is looking at it and saying, if you'll just walk by faith, we'll see a miracle happen. We'll take something that's impossible and make it possible. But you and I have to begin believing something different in our hearts. No one wants the problem or the challenge or the obstacle or the need. We just want the miracle. But living in this world will bring problems. Some of you, if you don't go right now, there'll come a time in life you'll probably need one. See, when sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve, it brought with it sickness, disease, emotional struggles, hardships, lack, spiritual oppression. You name it, it came with it. But the scripture tells us that, that every day prior to the fall, that Adam would walk and talk with God. So there's this idea of relationship with the Father. See, the plan that God always had for you and me was for us to be in relationship with him, to not deal with sickness, to not deal with disease, to not deal with the emotional struggles, to not deal with hardships or lack or spiritual oppression. Now, the Father wants us to walk in freedom in our lives. That's why every day Adam would walk with the Lord. I wonder if that's why Paul then would say, I die daily to my flesh. Because every day he was saying, I will be reminded of the covenant that I have with the Father. 
Today, my prayer is this, is that you'll be reminded of the covenant that you have with your Father. That day by day and hour by hour, you will walk in that covenant. That you will begin to think differently. Come on, that you'll begin to think differently. You and I, we need some think differently happening inside of our minds. We've got to stop looking at the problems that come our way as impossibles, and we've got to start looking at the problems that come our way as saying God is possible, that God is possible. He can change the way we think. We need to think differently. Not only do we need to think differently, we need to begin speaking differently. We need to start speaking differently in our lives. The Father desires for us to speak his word over the circumstances that we face. In fact, next week we'll be talking about how to speak God's word over the struggles and obstacles that you face. And there is power when we begin to speak those things out. And when we begin to think differently, when we begin to speak differently, then what will happen is is we'll begin to act differently. Because when we start acting differently, all of a sudden songs are not needed anymore to see miracles happen. Songs aren't needed to change an atmosphere. What happens is is we just start acting out what we know God wants to do. Because it shouldn't be dictated by the fact of whether we like the song or whether we don't, whether or not we think God is going to move. We should simply come into God's presence every week saying, I'm going to act differently. Yeah, my week was a rough week, but you know what? That does not change who God is. It does not change that he needs to still be worshipped. We need to act differently. See, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a part of the royal family. And listen, if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, can I just encourage you, it is the greatest thing that could ever happen in your life. Come on, there are people in this room who would give a big shout of praise right now because they would say, God has changed their lives. And because he's changed their lives, what they have said is that they will worship. They'll think differently. They'll speak differently. They'll act differently. In 2 Peter chapter 2, and I know I said Matthew, but it's okay. Just hold in Matthew. Peter talks about people in freedom. He talks about people who are no longer slaves to corruption. In fact, in 2 Peter 2.19, it says, For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. You have no longer been overcome by the problems or the difficulties of this world. It goes on to say in verse 20, For if after they have escaped the defilement of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. What it's talking about is people who have understood some things about God but went back to the old way of thinking. Listen, some of you have experienced some incredible moments with God. In fact, you've engaged in your faith in ways in the past where you would speak over things you thought differently, you spoke differently, you acted differently, but something has changed in your heart. Something's changed in your life. Don't let it be said of you that that things would become worse than of the first because it says this, for it would have been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than knowing it and then turn back from the holy commandments delivered to them. It goes on to say in verse 22, it says, what the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to his own vomit. The sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Listen, we need to be set free from sin instead of going back to it. God has called us to think differently, to act differently, to speak differently. You are called to be different. Matthew 21 says, ask, ask in prayer and you will receive it if you have faith. See, if you're going to act differently, if you're going to think differently, if you're going to speak differently, then you've got to begin to realize that you are called to a different way of thinking, living, and speaking. He says, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. And let me caution us on something now. In the midst of miracles, it's easy to get consumed with seeking the miracle and not seeking Jesus. Let me encourage you with this, seek Jesus and not the miracle. Because see, in Jesus, you'll find the miracle. In Jesus, you'll find what you need. Stop trying to think that you've got to be at some evangelist side. You've got to go to some certain healing center. You've got to have some certain cloth that someone's given you. You've got to watch some certain thing. You've got to bathe some certain way. Listen, I'm telling you, if you'll seek Jesus, the miracle will come. I know that God uses specific people in their lives 
through healing. I've seen it. I've seen God's hand be upon people, but I'm telling you, you don't have to go to all those places to go find Jesus. He's right here. The question is, is will you believe what the Word of God says, and will you ask in prayer, and then will you receive it in faith? Will you ask in prayer and will you believe that God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever? That he still heals, he still desires to do a work. See, in Jesus you'll find everything you need. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss it. Don't miss that he has already paid the price for you. If I was to ask you this question, what did Jesus accomplish for us? Many of us would say he accomplished forgiveness of sin, salvation. We would say he died upon the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And though that is correct, it is incomplete. And before you hang me up as a heretic, let me unpack. Yes, he did come to forgive you of your sins. He was our atonement. But can I encourage you with something? He didn't come just to forgive you of your sins. He also came to heal your body, and he also came to heal your mind. That he isn't just where he just said, nope, sins, that's all. You can just deal with your sickness. You can just walk through life and, and be struggling and have your mental problems and struggles and all that. You can just walk through life because, hey, you've been, your, your sins have been forgiven. No, he came and took care of all three. Jesus is our atonement. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26 says this, I am the Lord, your healer. The Old Testament speaks to the fact that the Lord is our healer. It is the Lord that healeth. He's Yahweh Rapha. He is the Lord, our healer. He's the Lord that healeth. He still heals today, just like he did back in the Old Testament. And I want to get into the covenant for a moment. Under the Old Covenant, God would permit a spiritual transfer to happen of sin during the yearly service known as the Day of Atonement. Now just bear with me, we're going to go a little deep for a moment here. So in the Old Covenant, the priest once a year would make atonement for the sins of the people. This is prior to Jesus dying on the cross. And once a year on the 10th day of the 7th month, the high priest would stand before God. And according to Leviticus 23, 27, it says that God had designed this day as a national time of fasting and repentance. So the whole group of the Israelites would begin putting their focus on the Lord. One activity that would happen on the Day of Atonement was where they would take two identical goats. They would be brought before the high priest a red thread would be placed around the neck of one of the goats and around the right horn of another. The one goat with the, uh, the red thread tied around its neck was the one that was designated for the Lord. It would be slain on an altar and burned. The second goat was called a zel. It was also known as the scapegoat. The high priest would reach into a wooden box and he would pull out two engraved gold markers, one red for the Lord and the other red for Azel. He would place those around the neck of the goat. And according to Jewish tradition, the scapegoat would then be brought before God and the high priest. The high priest would place his hands upon the goat's head and pray symbolically a transfer of the sins of the people to the goat. After the ceremony, a man would then lead the goat into the wilderness where it would be abandoned. The red thread that was tied around its horn would be so that people could recognize that if it ever wandered back into town, to stay away from it. How many of you are glad that your sins don't just wander back into town? Come on now. You're glad that they don't just have an opportunity to come back. But Jesus, when he became the sacrificial lamb, he finished it. No more sins. It's interesting that later as time would go on, they would develop a system where a man would lead a goat into the wilderness, that same scapegoat, where another would then run the goat to the next distant mountain, and a third man would then take it to the next distant mountain, the Mount Azel. The scapegoat would then be pushed off the mountain where it would die so it would not return back. Here's what's interesting, though, is that there was three crimson threads that were used in that day of atonement. One was placed around the neck 
of the one that was for the Lord. It was burned in the offering. The other was placed on the right horn of that scapegoat. And then a third was actually nailed to the temple door. Scriptures and tradition would tell us this, that, that when the goat would then be pushed off and would die, that visible sign, when the goat died, a crimson-colored thread that had been nailed to the outside of the temple door would supernaturally turn white. It was a visible sign to the people that God had forgiven their sins. It may actually be why the prophet Isaiah referred to Isaiah 1.18 where it says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, the two goats that were represented in the three red threads present us with a perfect picture of the future redemption through Jesus. It was a foreshadowing of the cross. Jesus hung in the middle of two guilty parties. He was the spotless lamb. He was the one who gave his life for the Lord. The thief on the one side represents the unrepentant, the scapegoat, the one who would die. The other thief is the one that was nailed, represented the one that was nailed to the temple door that represented a change in the heart. Come on, think about it. The man who was hanging on the cross next to him said, if you are truly, you are truly the Messiah, then will you, will you allow me to enter and join your side there in heaven? And Jesus says to him, yes, you can be with me. Not because the man had earned it, but because he had received what the Lord was giving to him. It's interesting this, on a side note. Under the old covenant, a man could not become a priest until the age of 30. I just saw that when I was doing some research. A, a man could not become a, a, a priest until the age of 30. Numbers chapter 4, verse 3 actually talks about it in there. If you look at Jesus' public ministry, he didn't begin until the age of 30. That's just an interesting side note that I just, doesn't really have a whole lot to do with this, but I just found that and thought, man, that's really interesting. Because here's what we find about Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. He is our salvation. Perry Stone is an evangelist who wrote a book called The Meal That Heals. He talks about salvation in his book, and he, he says this, Jesus is also known as Yahweh, which means salvation. He says, in the Christian West, the word salvation brings to us and to our minds a spiritual repentance. He goes on to say, yet in the New Testament, the verb is the Greek word sozo. It refers to deliverance from material, temporal danger, or suffering, deliverance from sickness and being made whole. He says, salvation includes redemption for the whole man. The body, the soul, and the spirit. That Jesus didn't come just so that you could have salvation. He came so that you could be made whole. The greatest Old Testament prophecy that relates to Christ's redemptive assignment is found in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. It's 700 years prior to Jesus' ministry. The prophet Isaiah writes this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Let me focus in on three things that the scripture verse is talking about. First, it's talking about spiritual healing. Spiritual healing. He was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquity. This is talking about forgiveness of sin. This is the thing that we always, when we talk about Jesus, we say, yes, he's all about redemption. He's all about forgiveness of sin. But it's a spiritual healing that has taken place. Listen, if you have not encountered that spiritual healing today, today's your day. The Father wants to meet with you right where you are. There's an emotional healing, which is the next that it speaks of. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. This speaks to our emotional healing of our mind and our soul. There's something to be said about being able to be at peace. If you ever had to walk through life and not be at peace, it's a horrible place to be. But when there's peace, there's a calmness. There's an assurance that we know that we can keep moving forward. There's an assurance of, of that peace that comes, and that is something that the Father desires for us. It comes through the cross. The next is a physical healing. It says, by his wounds, his stripes, some translations say, we are healed. It refers to this physical healing. 
Because what happens is, is that when we remember what Christ has done for us in times of communion, when we remember the sacrifice, what we begin to realize is, is not only has God come to set us free spiritually, but he's come to set us free emotionally, and he's come to set us free um, physically. Spiritual healing transforms the human spirit. Emotional healing renews the mind, and physical healing brings healing and life to the body. So think about that for a moment. Spiritual healing transforms the human spirit. Emotional healing renews our mind. It changes the way we think. Okay? Physical healing brings healing and life to our bodies. It changes the way we act. If you've ever had an ailment, I have watched many around me and now even myself, I experienced it at times where we begin to act differently because the thing we're always speaking is how bad our body is. My body's broken. My back hurts. This hurts. The doctor said this. What I've found is as people get older, they become their ailments. Now listen, I understand a little bit of it because as you get a little older, your body begins to change. My parents are always telling me all the time. But I'm always like saying to my mom, I'm like, Mom, I don't need to hear about your doctor's visit. Because that's what she talks about. Yeah, we went to the doctor, and this is what the doctor said. I don't care what the doctor said. Let's, let's, let's find out what Dr. Jesus says. Let's find out what he says about things. Because he brings a physical healing to our body. Now, in Jesus' last moments on the cross, we see that they laid 39 lashes upon his back. They were a visible sign of our covenant healing. When Isaiah the prophet was talking about by his wounds we are healed, he was referring to the moment prior to the cross where they would take Jesus, they would tie him to a pole, and they would begin whipping him. I won't get into all the graphic details, but let's just say they were good at bringing people close to death. The purpose of that was to bring about excruciating pain. If you go and do a little bit of research, you'll find that many people didn't even make it past that. But their goal was, was to bring you to the doorstep of death, but not let you cross over. When Jesus, is, when Jesus received those lashes, it was for a physical healing for our body. The scriptures tell us then later that they took a crown of thorns and they placed it upon his head. It speaks to the emotional and mental healing of our infirmities. Listen, the stripes that were laid on his back is our physical healing. The crown that was placed upon his head is our emotional healing. And then when Christ was nailed to the cross, it speaks to our spiritual healing. You see, all of these are connected together. Jesus paid the price he was the atonement for our sins. And so the question is, is have you accepted that forgiveness? Have you allowed him to atone, be the atonement for your sins, spiritually, emotionally, and physically? When Jesus was with his disciples, he said to his disciples, listen guys, remember me. Remember what I'm doing. Remember the moment. Remember this. And he grabs bread and he breaks it, and he says, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Then he goes and he grabs the cup, and he says, this cup represents the forgiveness of sin. It, re it represents my blood that is shed for you. See, communion is a reminder of our new covenant. Communion is a reminder of what God desires and wants to do in this place in our hearts and in our lives. See, the whole, the whole meaning of the cross, the whole, the whole thing of the cross was that Jesus was paying the price for you and I to be forgiven of sin, but not only forgiven of sin, he did it so that we could be healed, so that we could be healed emotionally, so we could be healed physically, so that we could be healed spiritually. When I think about miracles, here's what I think about. That's exactly what God wants to do. 
I think the reason why he said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me, is he was trying to get them to remember, listen, even when your body's breaking down, listen, I am your healer. Hey, even when emotionally you're struggling in your mind, listen, I am your healer. Hey, listen, even when you've fallen down and you've sinned and you feel like you're losing it spiritually, listen, I am your healer and I can forgive you. I will change your life. The cross is a reminder of the new covenant. And when I think about that reminder, I think about how there are many in this room who you need God to take an impossible situation and make it possible. And as I was praying this week, I felt that the Lord was saying to me, that's exactly what I want to do, is take impossible situations and make them possible. Now listen, I don't have... I don't have some magic formula. I just know what God wants to do. And we had already planned for the gathering to be much different today and then the Holy Spirit showed up and said, no, let's do it even way different. Okay, let's do it even way different. So I'm gonna ask you to do this all across this room. I'm gonna ask you to put your pens down, your paper down for a moment. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm going to ask you to put yourself in a posture of receiving. And what I mean by that is I'm going to ask you right now to just put your hands out just like this in a posture of receiving. Father, you are our new covenant. Jesus has paid the price for our sins. Jesus has paid the price for emotional healing. Jesus has paid the price for our physical healing. Heavenly Father, we put ourselves in a posture of receiving because across this room, God, each and every one of us need to receive a fresh touch from you. Father, today is about each and every one of us taking just one step closer. Some of us, it's a step of healing in our bodies physically. Some of us, it's a step of healing in our bodies emotionally, in our minds. Some of us, it's a step of, of healing in, in our lives through forgiveness and, and through being set free from sin. Father, you are a God who takes impossible things and makes them possible. So Father, this morning I ask that as we have placed ourselves in a posture of receiving, I pray that you would just begin to speak over each and every one of our lives right now. Holy Spirit, just begin to sweep across this room. Begin to sweep across the, the minds and the hearts of every person here today. Father, begin to do a work in this place. In these moments, in these times, Father, that you would be here in this place.
See, whatever you need right now. The Word of God tells us in Matthew. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive by faith. Whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive by faith. Listen, you don't need a lot of it. Not a lot of faith, just a little bit of faith. Maybe the faith would be right now, just a moment of you just saying, Father, I need forgiveness of sin. Father, I need a healing in my body physically. Father, I need an emotional healing in my body right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to, in this place, we're going to turn your seed into an altar. And so if you want to continue to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit down, you can sit down. If you want to kneel at your seat, you can kneel at your seat. But what we're going to do is we're just going to allow God's presence to just, to just begin to flood over this entire room, over this entire place. And we're going to turn this whole entire place into an altar. If you want to come up and, and spend time around these altars that have been designated, that's fine. But you can turn your seed into an altar right where you are. And you can just begin to just say, Father, I need a miracle. I need a miracle in my life. I need you to take the impossible and I need you to make it possible. I need you to take the impossible circumstances that I'm facing and I need you to make them possible. Maybe it's a loved one that you know needs an encounter with Jesus and today would be a day where you would pray like you've never prayed before for that person to have an encounter with Jesus. For his presence to meet them right where they are. Father, you are a God who takes the impossible things and makes them possible. So today, by prayer and with faith, we ask for these things. We talk with you, Father, today. And with faith, we ask for these things right now. Just turn this place right into an altar. Come on, all across this room. Just, just turn this place right into an altar. This is your time. This is you and Jesus. Come on, just turn it into an altar. Just begin to lift your voice to him right now. Come on, just begin to just put your heart, your attention, your focus on him.
Father, when our hearts, God, begin to cry out and say, we need you, Father. Father, we don't need just a feeling. Father, we truly desire your presence to invade our hearts and our lives and to bring about change in us, Father. Father, when we declare that the atmosphere is changing, God, we recognize that the atmosphere changes in us. And so, Father, I pray that faith would rise in us. I pray, God, that faith would rise in us. Father, that faith would rise in us today. Father, that faith would rise in us 
that would say my mind is being made whole and well, that faith would rise in us to where depression would have to leave in the name and the authority of Jesus by faith, by faith, Father. By faith, we declare that our minds are made whole and our minds are made well. Father, by faith, we speak to sickness and bodies. We speak to sickness and bodies by faith. And we decree and we declare that the bodies are being made whole and well. That cancer is leaving. That muscle and tissue and organs are going back to the way they were created and designed. Father, that our physical bodies are coming into alignment by faith. By faith. By faith we declare, not faith in ourselves, faith in what you, Jesus, have done. Faith in the atonement. Faith in the cross. Faith in the moments leading to the cross. Faith by faith. Father, I pray that faith would rise inside of us. Rise inside of us. That faith would rise in us. That faith would rise in us. Father, that you would fall fresh on us today. God, that your presence, God, would begin to flood over us, Lord Jesus. Your will be done. Come on, make this a declaration today. And lift your voice and lift your hands towards him right now. Come on and sing this out. Of God, fall fresh on us. element, if you could go ahead and grab that communion element. So if we know that Jesus instructs us and he says, do this in remembrance of me, I think sometimes we need to be reminded of what he has already done. Reminded of the healing physically, reminded of the healing emotionally, Reminding of the healing spiritually. And this morning, what I believe in my heart is that as we remember what Christ has done for us, I believe that many in this room are going to receive the very thing that for the last few moments you've been declaring by faith God will do. I'm believing that what we will see is we will see people filling out praise reports because their body was made whole and well. And they'll say, I re it was that moment when I received communion that the Holy Spirit fell upon me in my life. Like I know that was the moment where he touched me. 
that people are going to be set free emotionally from some things that you have been battling for a long time. In fact, I even believe this. There have been some of us, you've been believing the lie, and the lie has been this. That's just who you are, and that's how you'll always be. But God today is saying, no, 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 that's not who you are, and that's not how you will always be. He came to bring freedom to your life. He doesn't just bring partial freedom. No, he freedom to the whole body. To the whole body, to the mind, to the soul, to the body, like the whole thing. So today, let's hold this element in our hand. The scriptures tell us this. It says, in the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And after he had broke it and given thanks, now think about what we've already done in this gathering today. When we started the message out, we stood to our feet and we gave thanks to the Lord and we gave a big shout of praise to the Lord. We've started off with thanks already. We've made a declaration with our mouth by faith for things that we're looking to receive from the Lord. We have put our minds on Him. We've put our bodies in a place of surrender. We've surrendered our sins to Him. We've said, no, no, Father, everything. This is, I give this to you. And so when Jesus is with his disciples, he says, do this in remembrance of me. He's reminding us again today, do this in remembrance of me. This bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So as you hold that element in your hand, Father, we pray, God, that right now, across this room, individuals, God, who need a touch in their bodies, physically and emotionally, I pray right now, God, that in these next few moments, God, that they would receive exactly what they've asked for in faith that they would receive exactly what they're believing for God for father you are a father who is good you are a father who is loving you are a father who cares for his children and you've said ask and we ask and we receive so father we receive this communion together and we thank you for it Let's receive of it. And it says after he took the cup and after he had given thanks, he said, drink of this cup. For the remission, the forgiveness of your sins. Father, we thank you that you have forgiven us of sin. We thank you, Father, that you have changed our lives. You've given us a new covenant. And Father, I pray that in this moment of communion, Father, that you would invade this place. Father, that you would fall on us. That in this place, God, you would fall upon us that your spirit would move among us. And Father, that people would be set free today. God, we thank you. And we do this in remembrance of you. Let's partake of the cup together. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to remain in the same atmosphere of worship I've asked the worship team to play the second song we played. I know it was a new song for many of us today. Some of you, you're learning it for the first time. But I want this moment right here to be a closing to our gathering today of like, hey, this is, this is a moment where we're going to continue just to give our full attention and focus on him. We've got time. You may be wondering, hey, how are we going to receive the offering? The ushers, when you go out, they're going to have buckets at the door, and you just put your offering right inside there, your tithe and offering right at the doors. I know that's not how we normally do it. It's an audible. We're calling an audible. But today, I want us to close with just making this declaration of asking the presence of God to fall upon us, to say, God, may you do something in me in these moments that would change my life. You in this room, I know some of you, you, it's not like you didn't grow up in a background where you raised your hands to the Lord or anything like that. Can I just encourage you, man? Like this is the day to just break through. This is the day to just be like, all right, God, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you my, my body right now. And I, and I know some people are like, man, like I don't even understand. It's just an act of surrender. 
It's an act of saying, Father, I put my, my attention, my focus, my everything on you. It's an act of saying he's worthy of all praise, of all honor, of all glory. That if he died upon the cross for us, is he not worthy of our attention? Is he not worthy of our praise? Is he not worthy of a moment of, of just surrendering to him and just saying, Father, meet with me here in this place in this time. So across this room, would you just prepare yourselves right now? Would you just maybe just close your eyes right now and just lift your hands towards heaven? Come on, just close your eyes right now. Just lift your hands towards heaven. And just right now, just begin to allow, before the words are even sung, just begin to allow just the Spirit of God just to be able to just flow through you right now and just begin to just say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Come on, out loud in this place, you just begin to say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for emotional healing. Thank you for physical healing. Thank you for spiritual healing. Come on, just begin to thank Him across this room. And just begin to allow just a new song to come out of you. Just be, allow a new song to begin to erupt out of your heart. My faith beyond what it looks like. My faith beyond what it feels like. My power of mine. My faith beyond what it feels like. My faith beyond what it feels like. All the way that you, all the way you break through, break through. My faith beyond what it feels like. My faith beyond what it feels like. And by power of my Holy Spirit, right now.
Something's changing in the spirit. Something's breaking. I can feel it. Heaven, come down. Heaven, come down. Father, I ask I ask that we would leave different today. Father, that even this week, God, there would be areas of our lives, God, that would need tending to. I just pray that you would just reveal those to us. As we spend time in your word, as we spend time fellowshipping with others around us, I pray, God, that you would just continue to change us continue to shape us and mold us. Jesus, we thank you once again for being our atonement, for paying the price for our sins. Father, we thank you that we can come before you today and in prayer we can ask for whatever. Father, there have been many, many, many various declarations and things that have been asked for. And Father, we add faith to those things. And now we walk that faith out. God, even as last week individuals took steps of faith and offered forgiveness, there was changes You're changing the atmosphere in this place. You're changing the atmosphere inside of us. And Father, we just ask that you would continue to do that. God, we thank you that you are faithful. And Father, I pray, God, that as we leave this gathering today, God, that we would remember the sacrifice that you paid for us. Father, we know that A time of giving, God, of our finances is a continuation of our worship to you, Father. And so I pray, God, that today, God, maybe one of the shifts that would happen inside of us is that we would cheerfully give, that we'd be cheerful givers, that we'd say, man, what a privilege, what what an awesome privilege that I have to be able to sow into the kingdom of God. What an awesome privilege I have to be able to to walk in obedience. What an awesome privilege I have to be able to to touch the hearts and lives of, of people around the world through my giving, through the resources you've entrusted me with. And Father, I pray that this week, God, we'll walk that out in our lives. Walk out the freedom that you've given us. God, maybe even this week, give us opportunity to to share our faith with someone. Then to invite that person to join us next weekend, God. Because God, we know that your presence is here in this place where two or more are gathered. There you are in the midst. God, you're here in this place. We thank you for that. We thank you for all that you're doing. God, you're a faithful God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you guys for being here this morning. Just what an awesome privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord together. Man, walk in that freedom today. Man, give people a hug and a high five on the way out. Say, man, that was so good. And uh, we'll see you guys either this Wednesday or next Sunday at 9-11. God bless.